Hello and welcome to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. This is Marisa from the Tower Hill Production Team. Thanks so much for tuning in. Whenever or wherever you're listening from, we hope this podcast helps you grow in your faith, and we hope that you share it with others so that they can grow in their faith too. Pastor Teresa is with us today talking about new beginnings. Do you ever wish that you could have a do-over? Well, in Christ, we are a new creation, and revival is here. So let's listen in right now. Well, I'm so glad that all of you are here this morning to help rediscover your joy. Pastor Jason is away. I'm Pastor Teresa, it's my privilege to bring the word to you this morning. I was so happy to see Katie and Fiona up here in the, in the band this morning. I think there's no greater joy for a pastor than to see kids that have grown up in the church using their gifts to lead us in worship. And it's wonderful. When they can learn the music and lead us, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. My own uh, two children were musical, which means that I spent lots of time at um, piano recitals and auditions and concerts. And you know how you hope that that piece that your child has played so many times that you can whistle it in your sleep, that they will be able to start and play it all the way through. But there's always at every recital there's always some child, and you always hope it's not yours, that starts and they lose their way, even though they know that piece inside out, and you know that piece inside out. And they freeze, and they say, can I begin again? And if they're young enough, and if it's not a competition, and if the director is merciful enough, they will say yes. And it is miraculous how that same child, that froze, can play the piece perfectly all the way through just because they had a chance to begin again. Well, do you ever wish that you could begin again? Do you ever feel like you have messed something up so badly that if you could just start over, you might be able to get it right this time. Have you ever absolutely blown a conversation or an important meeting or a relationship or a project and just wished that you could start over? Well, that is the wonderful promise that we have in the gospel, that if anyone is in Christ, we are a new creation. That means we get to start over with a clean slate to begin again, forgetting what is behind us and pressing forward to what is ahead of us. And this promise gives us the confidence that in the Lord, no matter what is behind us, the best is always ahead of us. And so the Apostle Paul is the one that told us this promise. These are his words from 2 Corinthians. And he says, I was the chief of sinners. 
I was so bad that I persecuted the followers of Jesus Christ. I hunted them down. I had them imprisoned. I stood while they executed Stephen by stoning and approved of his execution. He says, that's who I was. But now I'm a new creation. And Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me is not without effect. And that's what I'm hoping that you can say to yourself by the end of our message this morning, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me is not without effect. Paul understood that he was a new creation with a new motivation and a new mindset, and a new ministry. So our scripture reading for this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 14. Wonderful passage to memorize if you need a project for the month of August. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When I become a new creation in Christ, I have a new motivation. Our scripture said that Christ's love compels us so that we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us. Some of you watched the Ken Burns series on the Vietnam War. If you grew up like I did, going to many Vietnam War protests, you know that that war was very difficult for us to understand, and we really needed Ken Burns to explain it to us, what exactly was going on. But like all wars, there are stories of great horrors, and there are stories of great heroism. You might remember that it was the Vietnam War where helicopter evacuation of the wounded right off the battlefield made a tremendous difference in reducing the number of those who lost their lives in the war. And so Ken Burns interviewed Patrick Brady, who was a medevac helicopter pilot, who received the Medal of Honor 
because he repeatedly risked his life to land his helicopter to evacuate wounded in fog and in the midst of battle. He served two tours of duty in Vietnam. He flew over 2,000 missions, and he's credited with saving the lives of over 5,000 soldiers. And when he was asked, weren't you afraid? He said, and if you were here last week, you'll remember Pastor Jason reminding us of this. He said, no, my faith substituted for my fear. And I was so sure that I was doing what I was called to do that I felt that even if the worst happened to me, even if I lost my life, there was no better way for me to die than in service to my fellow soldiers. I later saw a story about one of the men who was evacuated by him, whose life was saved, who never knew who the pilot was who evacuated him. And it made me wonder... How would it change your life to know that someone risked their life to save yours? How would it change your life to know that someone gave their life for yours? Our scripture says that that is the kind of self-sacrificing love that the Lord Jesus has for you and for me. And once we grasp that love, we are urged on by it. It compels us. It drives us like the wind that drives a kite along the beach. That we can no longer live for ourselves, but we understand that as someone sacrificed themselves for us, that we need to give our lives in service to others. And so if I can be convinced of the love that the Lord Jesus has for me, that gives me the motivation and it opens me to a whole new mindset. It's a new mindset toward myself, toward others, toward God. So our scripture says from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in that way. So what's that worldly point of view? That worldly point of view is, I look at you, I look at other people, I look, I look at God as, what can you do for me? But once I understand what God has done for me, I see God differently as not against me, but for me. When I understand that God has made every effort to reconcile me to him, then I have a new mindset. I see other people differently. Should I not forgive those who have offended me? Can I be merciful to other people as God has been merciful to me? If I have been offended, can I make the first overture of forgiveness to the one who has offended me, just as God has done for me? 
because when I have this new mindset and a new motivation, those are the building blocks of a new creation. I come to this new creation and I understand that it is a whole new world. Everything is different. Everything has changed. I have a new purpose. I have a new understanding. A believer lives in a new world where God and other people forgive and are forgiven. It's a new relationship that is based on being reconciled. And so we know that the old creation was spoiled by sin. God created everything good, but when humans decided to go their own way, they became alienated from God and needed to be reconciled. But the scripture tells us that it's God who has done the work of reconciliation. It is God that drew us back, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. God invites us back to the garden, to the place where Adam and Eve could walk and talk with God in the cool of the day, where they could express their love for God and know that there was nothing between them. And they could eat from the tree of life and live forever. That's the invitation that God gives to us to come back to the new creation where we go from being estranged from God to being embraced by God. We go from being cut off to being counted in. We go from being rejected to being reconciled. Reconcile is an accounting term. It means to make an adjustment for the difference, to set things right again. And so, if I give you a $10 bill for a $3 charge, and you give me only $2 back, I complain, and I say, you owe me $5. And if you give me the $5 that you owe me, then we're reconciled. Then everything is fine. But there's another way for us to be reconciled. I can say, as we do in New Jersey, forget about it. You don't have to pay me. I'll take the hit. I'll pay. And that is how we were reconciled to God. That Jesus said, I'll pay. I'll take the hit. And I will forget about all of your offenses. I will embrace you in my love. And so we understand that God is the one who initiates reconciliation. Our scripture says God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God. So God not only says, I will take the hit, 
I will pay, but I will also give you in return my righteousness. So here the Lord Jesus, who is the only person that ever lived 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with not one thought, word, or deed that was anything but loving God and loving his neighbor, the only truly sinless sinless one, the scripture says God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Not to become a sinner, but to become the offering for our sin so that we might receive the righteousness of God in him. That is the great exchange of the gospel. And John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, describes it this way. Does a judge ever beg a condemned criminal to accept a pardon? Does the creditor ever beg a ruined debtor to receive full forgiveness of their debt? Yet our Lord and our judge, the one we are indebted to, not only offers us these blessings, but pleads with us to accept the terms he offers, to be reconciled to him. So God initiates this reconciliation. And with our new motivation, and our new mindset, God gives us a new ministry of reconciliation. The scripture says all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So, so think about how does God reconcile us to himself? He does not count our offenses against us anymore. So how do we exercise a ministry of reconciliation? We stop counting all of the offenses against us. I've recently been uh, rereading the classic story by George Eliot of the weaver named Silas Marner. Some of you had that on your summer reading list in high school, I'm sure. But you might remember the story. Silas Marner is wrongly accused by his best friend and by his church of stealing the Sunday morning offering. And Silas Marner knows he's innocent and he's very sure that he will be vindicated by God. But his best friend has set him up very carefully, and he is found guilty. After which, his fiancée turns on him and marries his best friend. And so Silas Marner is so embittered by the injustice that has been done to him. He is so He is so outraged that God would not vindicate him that he cuts himself off from both God and people. He goes to another village and he really lives as a recluse except all that he has is his work and the coins that he receives for his work. That is the only thing that gives him joy in his life. Well, when all of his coins are stolen from him, 
He really decides that he has been abandoned by God and humanity. Until one night, an abandoned child wanders into his cottage. And by learning to love her and learning to receive the love that she gives to him, Silas Marner is set free from nursing all of the offenses and injustices that were done to him. And he has a whole ministry of reconciliation. That is how the Lord wants to set us free so that we don't have to live in the past counting over everything that has been done to us and so that we don't have to live in a past of recounting all of the wrongs that we have done, but can be set free so that we can proclaim the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of God to those entrusted to us. Our scripture says that we are ambassadors for Christ. And so when you think about an ambassador. An ambassador is usually entrusted with a message. And we are entrusted, the scripture says, as ambassadors with the message of reconciliation. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore all of those we know to be reconciled to God. So if you think about the work of an ambassador, ambassadors speak for the country they represent. It's through the ambassador that a message is usually delivered or a request communicated to the officials of the country that they serve. The ambassador reflects the agenda, the convictions, the cause of the one they represent. I recently read this story of Ambassador William Dodd, who was the American ambassador to Germany from 1933 to 1937, so during the rise of the Third Reich. And the book is called In the Garden of the Beasts. And it tells the story of William Dodd, who was just a very ordinary professor of American history, but was sent to Germany and felt it was his job to represent democratic ideals amongst the cruelty, the oppression, the racism, the anti-Semitism, the violence of Nazi Germany. Ambassador Dodd refused to attend Hitler's annual Nazi rally in Nuremberg because he felt that would give a seal of approval to Hitler's leadership. And he felt it was his job to be a spokesperson for America, presenting the cause of democracy his job to represent democracy in the midst of a nation that was spiraling downward into dictatorship. And Ambassador Dodd would say, in my country, 
there is a better way. And that is the message that you and I are given as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. In the country we come from, there's a new creation where people can forgive and be forgiven, where people can live with a clean conscience before God, knowing that it, God is a God who loves them and has mercy on them. And we are given that message to the country we are sent to, to the people entrusted to us. We are given that message of forgiveness and reconciliation. We proclaim what God has done for us. And we point people to a life-changing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we say, where I come from, there's a better way. So my challenge to you this week is to try something new, to embrace your new motivation and your new mindset, to embrace your new ministry of reconciliation and be an ambassador for Christ. And then you will live into being a new creation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.